going hot. Welcome back to the Going Hot Podcast. We are continuing our conversation with Jared Shaw and welcome in the Terminalist, New York Times bestselling author, Jack Carr. Let's do it. All right, we are back with the Going Hot Podcast. We are joined by Jack Carr. My friend, thank you so much for taking the, the time to come on. I, I know you've done some smaller shows like Joe Rogan and stuff like that. So I, I really appreciate you stepping up and, and, and coming on to our show here. It, it, it means a lot. Oh, man, those were all just uh, in preparation for this. I was just getting myself ready, going on uh, Rogan and Tucker, things like that. It was all in preparation for today. So thank well, you for we're having me. my brother. I, I hope you're ready, my friend. I, I hope you're ready. But no, yeah, all, all joking is all Who's joking that guy aside. next to you? Yeah, no, all, this guy right here, I figured you all might know each other here. And I was, I was really excited to set this up for that very reason, because as a fan of the Terminalist and the series, you know, I've, I've, read the books i'm excited for them but what's really cool to me is the big brother it's how it all came together and i've got to hear you on joe rogan talk about it and some of the other places but i got to hear it from from jared right here next to me and and so i wanted to put you guys on the same call and and hear you all tell the story together about it because the terminal list has been years in the making and you guys have had a lot of blood sweat and tears to to get you to this point of this combined success that you all are enjoying right now and so um on that note how did this come together you know how did you go from uh, a team leader platoon commander to world-renowned author and about to have a prime series and that's just going to crush it crazy crazy well I'll take it back a little little farther i'll take it back to uh just growing up and knowing those two things that I that I wanted to do and knowing that I wanted to serve my country in uniform from my earliest days. And then a little bit later, but not much later, knowing that I wanted to write thrillers after that. Um, and that's just a hey, growing up. I was uh, it was just innate. So I knew I was I was just uh, driven to serve. But then my uh, I grew up with my grandfather's medals and his wings. He was a Corsair pilot in World War II. So that's the plane that had the gull wings that that folded up like that. Uh, and he was killed off Okinawa in 1945. So I had pictures of him and his plane and his whole squadron and in the Pacific and um, uh, the silk maps that they used to give aviators back then, uh, all his medals, all that stuff. So I had all that in like a, like a box. And um, that's really the only connection that my dad had to his father because they, they never met. Um, and uh, back then you couldn't just reach out and try to find people who were in your dad's squadron on the, you know, the squadron Facebook page uh, or anything like that. So you, there just wasn't a lot of connection for these kids that were, that, uh, that lost their, their fathers in, in World War II. Um, but our connection to that generation and to his father and my grandfather was really through a show called the Black Sheep Squadron with uh, Robert Conrad back in the day. And he was portraying Pappy Boynton, of course, air pilot. And I think that's where my leadership style may have started to originate because uh, in that show, Pappy Boynton was a, a heavy drinker. He was a fighter uh, and, uh, and he crushed. And his guys, uh, his guys respected him and he made uh, good decisions. He was a warrior. Um, and so I think that was kind of the bedrock. But he was also, uh, didn't have a lot of love for authority. I guess that might be a good way to, to put it. So I think that was from, from my earliest days, that kind of gave me a, a patient. I really resonated with him as a character. And then I found out about what SEALs were when I was seven. 
So, you know, right about that same time, we're watching that show. Of course, I'm naturally gravitating towards uh, G.I. Joe stuff and just running around the woods and, you know, all the stuff that that kids do. Um, but I found out what seals were and I'm like, ah, oh, this is my path. And I uh, just for whatever reason, uh, seeing those guys and it was a movie, The Power of Popular Culture, seeing a uh, black and white film called The Frogman. And uh, I saw that just in between commercial in between uh football my dad would watch football and then i would get to go and turn that channel uh the two minutes and 30 seconds or two minutes that we had for a commercial break i'd run up to the tv switch it to the one outlier channel that we had um because it was abc cbs nbc and this outlier channel that always had a war movie playing on sundays so i didn't really care about football but i cared about that war movie and so i'd get to do that my dad would just look at his watch and he'd be like, turn it back. And then I turn it back and back football <laughs> and I wait until the next commercial. But one of those, one of those uh, shows was the frogman. And it showed these guys coming up on the beach and putting explosives on these obstacles. And, you know, just asked my dad who these guys were and the name of the show was the frogman. So he said they're frogmen. And then uh, my mom was a librarian, still is a librarian. And, uh, we went down to the local library, did some research, found out about, uh, uh UDT, Naval Combat Demolition Units and Navy SEALs. And I was like, all right, these are my people. And just found out that uh, from that research in the early 80s, when you could actually research everything written on SEALs, because there wasn't that much, uh, you could read it all in about a half hour, an hour. And uh, my takeaways were that, hey, these guys are some of the most elite special operators in the world. And the training is some of the toughest ever devised by modern military. So I was on that path very early on. Um, but then I started reading the books that my parents were reading at about age 10, for sure by age 11. Um, so fifth grade, sixth grade, I start reading Tunt for Red October, and then the David Morrell books, uh, Brotherhood of the Rose first. And then I found out that he also wrote First Blood written in 1972, created the character Rambo. Um, Nelson DeMille, AJ Quinnell, JC Pollock, Mark Olden, Stephen Hunter, all these guys who had protagonists with backgrounds in Vietnam, and uh, typically in special operations, SEALs, Army Special Forces, Marine um, Snipers, or CIA paramilitary guys. That was kind of the typical 80s, early 90s protagonist action hero guy. Um, so I was reading these books as research, essentially. Uh, and then also realizing that, man, one day after I'm out of the military, I'm going to write thrillers just like this because there's magic in these pages. And I just knew that was my calling first to serve and then to write. Um, so that was just my, my path. But as I was getting out, this is where Jared and I cross paths. So in my head, I'm coming back from Iraq. And in my head, I know that hey, my tactical leadership time is over. I'm not going to ever be able to, uh, to lead guys tactically on the battlefield again. If I stay in, I'm going to go to a staff job and then I'm going to come back maybe as a team commanding officer one day, which sounds impressive. But if you've been in the military for the last 20 years, you know that, that commanding officer stays back in a tactical operations center and allocates assets and isn't out there on the battlefield with the guys. So it was very clear to me that it was time to get out and my family needed me as well. So both those things um, came kind of uh, kind of came to a head at the same at the same time. I realized I had done what I came in to do, uh, and now it was time to pursue this other passion of writing. But I still had a few more years left, so I went to to Buds. They put me at Buds, um, and uh, as the, the the operations officer, which is like a COO at a at a corporation for anybody uh, in the business world, and uh, that's where I ran into Jared Shaw, who would change the course of my life, and. Uh, so yeah, we crossed paths there in 2000, 
12, 13. I think that was the, that was the year's year overlap right there. And, uh, you know, uh, Jared had this incredible reputation as a, as a seal, as a warrior. And, uh, so we connected off that and then we went our separate ways and I started writing this book and I got it to Simon and Schuster and they decided to, uh, to publish it. And as it was coming out, uh, I got reconnected with Jared through our friend uh, David Bowles, uh, and I talk about him in the new forward to this, so we don't need to edit out his name or anything. And uh, I met him when he was working as general counsel for an outdoor industry company, and uh, and we got to be good friends. And uh, he was also good friends with Jared Shaw, and he knew I had a book coming out, and he knew that uh, that Jared knew Chris Pratt. And I don't know if David knew, I don't think he knew that I had envisioned Chris Pratt playing the role of my protagonist of the main character as I was writing. So as I'm still a seal in my little office off our bedroom in Coronado, California, off our rental place, as I'm sitting down to type, I don't think that David knew that I had Chris Pratt in mind. Um, but then he reconnected me with Jared and uh, Jared said, man, I already have a book coming out. And uh, I was like, yeah, man, I'd love to send you a galley copy. It's like an early copy, a rough draft. And he said, yeah, I'd like that, but I also like to give it to a friend of mine. And I said, no problem. Who's that? And he said, Chris Pratt. So, yeah, which was very convenient, Jared, by the way. I really appreciate that, especially since I pictured no one else playing this role uh, except Chris. And then the other crazy part of the story is that uh, before I knew, uh, I had no connections in Hollywood, no connections in, in public New York publishing, um, but I picked my publisher because I went to the back of books written by Brad Thor and Vince Flynn and they thanked a lady named Emily Bessler. And I thought, oh, she should be my, uh, she will be my editor and my publisher. And uh, as I'm typing away as a child of the eighties, it just makes sense to figure out who's gonna play your, your main character. And Chris had not done Guardians of the Galaxy, had not done, Jurassic World had not done Avengers, any of those things. He'd done Zero Dark Thirty and Parks and Rec. So I saw that transformation from Parks and Rec to Zero Dark Thirty. And I'm like, this is the guy. This is the person to play James Reese. And then since I'd already picked my publisher and I'd already picked my my actor, uh, I figured I might as well pick the director. And uh, Antoine Fuqua, he was the only person I ever thought of directing. And now all three of those things have, uh, have come to pass. Thank you to Jared Shaw right there. Well, that's uh, very kind, and and <clears throat> you know, to whenever I hear that side of it, you know, there's always the other side, which is my side, and mm-hmm. what happened with that. Um, going back to that 2012-2013 time frame, 2013 was when my enlistment was up, my time was up, you know, and. Little did anybody know I was doing acting classes and all that, like we talked about, and kept that all very quiet, you know, and I I knew, like, "Ah, I'm getting out. I just screened positive for a green team, you know, so that was kind of keeping me back on there with the past that I had with all the trouble that I got into, lost rank twice, got kicked out of all sorts of stuff. I mean, I was a problem child, but I was still was able to screen positive, which was a huge deal. And I'm like, oh man, maybe, you know, back and forth, back and forth. And finally just had a piece of like, no, you know what, it's time. It's time that I, I punch out. There's other things that I wanna, wanna do, but I didn't really know. I knew the, the safe thing was like, you know what? I go back to Texas and, and I just teach self-defense, you know, shooting, moving that, that whole thing and getting a range. We've talked about mm-hmm. that stuff before, mm-hmm. you know? And so I'm like, 
that's that's what I'll do. Well, kind of floundering, trying to figure it out, figure it out on my own. And I see Jack one day, and he's, you know, we did our paths had crossed, but he was way higher rank than I was. We we didn't we didn't work in the same space a lot of the time, and he just comes up out of nowhere, you know, walking one day, and he's like, "Hey, you're you're Jared Shaw." Yes, sir. And he said, I hear you're getting out. Yes, sir. Well, what's your plans? What are you doing? And I, you know, well, I think I'm going to go back to Texas. I, you know, would like to do the gun range deal. And he's like, really? Come into my office. So he takes, you know, time out of his day when we didn't really know each other at all and brings me in there, sits me down, connects me with people that he knows, you know, just totally goes out of his way, stays on top of it, you, you know, within that transition period, you know, checks in on me when he didn't have to, when he, he didn't know me from really the next guy, but that speaks volumes about his leadership and who he is as a man, you know, and that always stuck with me, but I didn't know how much until like he was talking about years later that, uh, David Bowles reaches out and says, Hey, you remember this guy? You know, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I do. He's like, well, he, he wrote a book. You need to read it. And I said, you know what, David, like, I remember that dude taking care of me you know, and looking out for me when he had, he had no reason to, you know, and that's really, that's kind of my side of it on how it all came together. You know, it was you as a man, Jack, and your leadership and how you are, I never got to be in combat with you, but I've heard of your leadership on that side of it, uh, that side of it as well, you know, and so it's a blessing, man, to, to be sitting right here right now, that all happened for a reason. It's so crazy. I mean, there's, there's, uh, you know, I was telling this story with Chris and Antoine as we're doing the press junket for the show, and uh, you know, those guys can't believe it. You know, they're especially Antoine. You know, there's he's sitting there just shaking his head like he's been in Hollywood a long time and he has been crushing it for a long time, and never once has he heard a story like this. You know, to have it yeah. be so personal and to have it actually you know come to fruition like this. He's just like, man. So we're sitting there doing those press things, and I'm like it's your typical Hollywood story, you know, and uh, and, and talk about it. And that's, uh, it's definitely not your typical Hollywood story, but it made it so powerful. And then to bring, you know, David, really lucky we get with him as the showrunner coming in and this build this trust with all four of us, as we started to build out this team and then, you know, create this, this thing that people are going to see on screen. It's, uh, it's crazy. It's remarkable. You know, I didn't really think too much about it. Um, you know, because then you're not actually focusing your bandwidth on doing the job, right? In the next book, working on the scripts, editing this, boom, boom, boom. You know, but after we saw the pre, after we saw the premiere, and then I came back home on that lot on that Friday, the day after the premiere, or two days after the premiere, and sat down for a sec. I was like, man, first breath in a decade, decade plus, and uh, and I was like, man, that's crazy how all this came about, and. David Bowles is the unsung hero, though. I try, you know, I try, I talk about him in the new forward to this, uh, to the hardcover edition of the Terminalist. But uh, man, what if, what if he hadn't connected us? You know, what if he hadn't reconnected us? Yeah, well, Debo, David Bowles called me and and asked me. He's like, "Hey, do you remember this fella?" You know, and and yep, I remember remember him. He wrote, you know, wrote a book. And even in that time of my life, working with Chris and all, there was stuff that would get thrown to me all the time. Hey, this is, you need to read this, 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 this. I'm like, ah, you know, when I found out it was from Jack, I'm like, absolutely. But I kind of, no disrespect, Jack, I kind of went into it of like, yeah, like, all right, another military guy doing something like, all right. But like I said, with what Jack had done for me, like hundred percent, I'm going to, I'm going to read it. 
I read it, and I'm like, oh, okay, we got we got something different. Yeah, you here. called me after you read yeah. it. You're like, hey, man, I just read this book. I'm gonna get you a copy of it. Yeah, yeah, and and, you did. and yeah, right there here. it is. And that's yeah. that's what it was. And you know, and so that's when I I got a hold of Jack, and I'm like, hey, buddy, and we had that that kind of reunion over the phone of put the, the, the pieces together. And I was able to tell him like, dude, thank you for what you did. You know, like you did something for me when you didn't have to never forgot it, read your book, love it. Do you mind if I give it to a buddy? You know, and that's when I gave it to Chris and Chris, you imagine I get thrown one or two things every couple months for people to, to read. It's daily for Chris. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's nonstop. And he, for him to pick something up and read it all the way through, you know, it's got to be good. And he right. did that. He read the entire thing. And I mean, he wanted it before he even finished reading it. And I have a picture of the moment he started reading the book. We oh, were, how cool. Yeah. We were on a, on a plane flying somewhere. I don't remember. And remember giving it to him and he started reading it then. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's, that's picture. We need to hold on to that one, you know? And so read it, he loved it. And then that's when... Fuqua, Antoine, Antoine Fuqua had wanted at the same, you know, the same time those two talked and man, here we are. Yeah. You know, and I have that picture. It's awesome. And then I have a picture of, uh, of you reading, reading it. I have a picture of you reading the script, you know, that's right. so it's, uh, yeah. that's just awesome to see this all come together. It's insanity. Yeah. There's a, a picture of Chris reading the book. And then there's that picture, Jack, that you're talking about where, you know, years later, I'm reading the script. And then there's another picture um, where I'm looking at the TV at my house, doing post, watching one of the scenes, you know, of the show. So you have those three, you know, those three moments in time. And then the last one I've been waiting for, the fourth one was going to be a picture from the premiere. So now we got that. It'll complete it, all four of them, the, the whole process, you know. How, cool. Jack, how many times throughout this process did, did you ever have moments where you just step back and, and you're like, I can't believe this is happening, you know, from, from my brain to the, to the book, to writing it all on paper, to now seeing Chris Pratt and the rest of your buddies and crew and everybody out there putting your vision to, to work. Is it, did you find yourself at moments where you're just like, is this real life? Not really until, um, just a couple of days ago. So got home from the premiere on, we had the premiere on Wednesday, um, the whole, uh, you know, people out there taking pictures and the whole party and the whole thing. Um, so that was Wednesday. I came home Friday and then Saturday and Sunday, I went right back to, to work writing. But at the same time, I was like, I took that breath. And that's the, that's the first time. I mean, I took a breath. It was like five seconds, but uh, you know, cause you can't let too much time pass. You gotta get, get right back on it. Uh, there's so much to do, but I, I was like, wow, man, it's kind of like we did it, you know, because anytime along this process, there's so many things that can derail the, I don't even want to talk about it yet. Cause we have a couple days to go until it actually hits screens, but you know, the closer yeah. you get, the harder it is to, to, to derail, but there are so many opportunities throughout the whole process for it to go, go sideways, but, uh, we're not getting made at all. We're not finished. But, um, uh, but I always thought because I wanted to do this from such an early age, that was just a natural path. Uh, it was, okay, I'm going to join the military. I'm going to go to Buzz. I'm going to serve my country. I'm going to uh, go into combat. I'm going to be a leader. Uh, and then I'm going to write thrillers. And it's going to be a New York Times bestseller. And then it's going to get made into a movie by an A-list star and director. Uh, like, those are just the things. I was like, yep, that's what, that's what I'm going to do. 
And uh, so I never really thought about, oh man, what are the odds of making it through buds or what are the odds of making it to the getting published at all, uh, let alone by a uh, big New York publishing house. Uh, then, oh, the odds of making the New York Times list, the odds of something get picked, picked up and then the odds of that even get getting turned into a, to a film or a series. And, uh, but I never wasted any time. Like that was how many, those 20 seconds right there, but that was 20 seconds that I could have been wasting every day for all of my life. And that would have meant that I wouldn't have been doing pull-ups or sprinting hills or reading about warfare or terrorism, insurgencies or counterinsurgencies. Um, and it's time that as I moved on uh, out of the teams uh, that I wouldn't have been in the pages of my book, writing, refining, uh, editing, thinking about trying to make it better. Uh, like those, uh, those, that time adds up and you're not getting it back. So uh, I never really spent any time worried about it not happening, but, uh, but then this last weekend after the premiere and after we went through that whole, that whole week doing the, the press in LA and getting to hang out with Jared all week. And, uh, and every single uh, person that was uh, involved in production, um, uh, I get to hang out with them. And that's, that, that is it kind of sunk in, but still, you know, you, you said I got to stay hungry and we're already, you know, right before this call, Jared and I are talking about, you know, other projects and, uh, and other things that we have going on and things we want to do. And, uh, you know, season two, and is it going to happen? I don't know. We're going to be prepared for it. Uh, and how do we best prepare ourselves for that? Uh, and guiding that and again, making sure that it's going in the direction, uh, that, uh, that stays too true to what we just created with this first season and, and all that. So it doesn't, it never stops, you know, maybe for that five seconds, taking a breath, and then let's get back after it. Well, you know, I, I think that speaks to, to your character and your work ethic that, you know, you've, you've climbed some of the highest peaks out there, SEAL training, writing a book, best-selling author, soon-to-be top TV series. What would you say to somebody that, a young person that's just about to leave for the military or even somebody that's further along in life, but they're struggling and they're just not, it's just not clicking and they're, how do you, you've had this mindset from when you were young to, to basically just attack and, and, and be relentless and just keep moving. What would you say to somebody that's just starting in life or having a hard time? How do they tap into that? How can, you know, the, the mind can be our, our strongest muscle and also the weakest. How do you condition yourself to just keep moving forward and find victory in what you do instead of defeat? Yeah, I think it's, it's work. Because uh, I can tell you for sure uh, how, uh, staying on your path and whatever your dream is, I know how to tell you how it's not going to happen. And it's, if you don't put in the work, uh, it might not happen. Even if you do put in the work might not happen, but it for sure will not if you don't. So that's the given. You have to put in the work. You have to build that foundation, whether you're starting at age five or 10 or 20 or 40 or 50, um, you have to put in that work. You can't just worry about it not happening and not do the work because then it's not happening for sure. You've already lost uh, and you haven't even done the work. You haven't even done the prerequisite, which is putting in that foundation, which for me was reading and studying about warfare uh, and then training my mind, body, spirit to be the best warrior I possibly could, the best leader I possibly could. Everything was focused on that. Um, but if I hadn't done those things, if I hadn't prepared, if I was just like, eh, man, SEAL training looks tough, that would be awesome. But you know, I'm not that fast or man, I'm not that strong or uh, well, once again, how many times did I just waste right there? I could have been doing that pull up. I could have been sprinting. I could have been reading that uh, book about SEALs in Vietnam or, or whatever um, and making myself a uh, uh, an asset 
and making myself uh, a better citizen along the way. So it's really about doing the work. Uh, you're not getting away from that. You have to do that part. Um, so I think that's it. And realizing that that's the given. Uh, it might not work out, but it for sure won't without putting in that work. And then, you know, you get to decide also while you're doing that, uh, how you're going to impact those around you as you're doing that work. So are you going to be miserable? Are you going to be negative? Uh, uh, you get to choose how you're going to impact people around you, uh, especially when you get hit or you get tripped, uh, you fall down, you got to get back up. You can get back up whining and complaining and talking about how life isn't fair, or you can get up and inspire those around you because they can say, wow, look at that hit that guy took and look what, how he got up and kept moving forward. That is friggin' amazing. Guess what? I can do that too. Um, so, uh, so I think that's, that's important. You get to decide that's up to each and every one of us. Um, like I try to tell the kids, I say, um, never miss an opportunity to make somebody's day. So I think that's kind of a good way to, to, to go, to go through life. Um, yeah, why not? We come from a, a community, Jack and myself of, like we talked about before, like, you know, you have to rise to the occasion just to keep up with these people, you know, and Jack and I were never, like I said earlier, and we never served overseas together. We weren't in combat together, but I've seen him on the back end of it. And I've seen him during this whole process, you know, and what he's talking about that hard work and all that, that man truly lives, it. you know, mm -hmm. uh, we will even, you know, during the premiere process that whole week, we would finish and it would, it would be late you know, and, and would be tired, wore out and, you know, talking about like, ah, oh, we're getting back to the hotel. We're going to crash. He's like, cool. Awesome. He's like, I just got a couple hours of work I got to do on the podcast or answering, you know, building out the next thing. And I'm like, okay, i I feel like I work decently hard. You know right, what I mean? Right. Like, I feel like I, I try to push myself. I'm like, I don't, I don't know that I can keep up with that. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? It's, it is always nonstop for him. Like he truly epitomizes that, what he's saying, like he lives it, man. And it's inspiring to me to see that it, once again, it's that push of like, okay, like I better step up my game. I yeah. have to, to try to keep up with it. This, he just wrote his fifth book. One of the things I wanted to ask you is, is has it made it more special going through this, getting to be with your buddies on things? And, and that's one of the things that I've always liked about, I know you all have a tight community and, and I'll, and I've, I've enjoyed, that's one of the things that I've enjoyed seeing with Jared after the seals is to still get to be with the team guys find ways for the to, to still sharpen iron with each other and to lift each other's up and to I'm so happy to see all of you guys finding success and not really being shot at you know and and I was telling him for the 10 and a half years he was in the sills as a family we always held our breath when he deployed and you know and and when his team or his buddies or you know we came to look at these guys like family too because he would bring them home and and I'm so happy to see you all still continuing to have each other sixes and take care of each other afterwards. And y'all's dedication and, and just faithfulness to each other, to me, it's like y'all are still taking care of the man on the left and the right of you. And none of this, none of this would happen had you not been the man you were in the beginning when, like he said, you didn't have to be. You could have been the command. You could, you could have stopped at the minimum. But as, as we seem to find out about your character, you don't even know what the minimum means because you blow right past that. But because of that, you yeah. touched another life that kept that ball rolling forward. And I think that's really special. 
Yeah. I mean, to be able to do this with Jared and then to have a reunion on set, that first episode where we have, I just posted a picture on my Instagram today with uh, Ryan Sangster and Kenny Sheard and the, the three of us standing with, uh, with Chris there on set in that first scene. Um, I mean, to have like good guys that you knew from the teams now out and crushing it and helping each other uh, in this next phase of life, in this next chapter of life. I mean, that was huge. I mean, I, I yeah. can't even imagine what it would have been like to to do this and and not have uh, that group uh, of, of friends because we had this we had these these you know this trust from the very beginning you know Jared and Chris and then uh, me and then Antoine and then the showrunner and then we like had this core group and we kept going we never lost sight of what was important for this show like where it needed to stay grounded um, and this is Hollywood so staying grounded is uh is more difficult than one would imagine um you really have to have to work at it especially as more and more people up and down these different this new chain of command that you have start start getting involved because they're bringing you know they're bringing a whole lifetime of experience that's uh that's, that's quite different um and they're they're bringing that and they're uh you know experts in their field um but uh when it comes to a different type of project, uh, you really have to have this core group that's willing to stand up and uh, and fight and uh, and make sure that you stay true to whether it's that source material or it's what uh, this foundation that you you start to build upon, like we did for this, and add these elements of psychological thriller and conspiracy thriller to what was essentially a revenge thriller, um, and make it and build off uh, it build upon the foundation of the book and, and make something that uh, is, is visually appealing because you're now telling a story through a totally different medium. Um, so a lot of trust involved, but it was so cool to have like a reunion on set in that first episode. And I think that the COVID police were losing their mind because uh, it's like height of COVID. And, uh, you know, I show up there on set and it's like, dude, everybody's hugging and back, you know, it's like, it's awesome. It was like a seal reunion on set. Um, I think they were like, uh, losing their, losing their minds a little bit, but, uh, you know, it was, it was awesome. And then, uh, and then we had seals been different and not just seals, but we had, uh, army special forces guys, we had Marine, we had a bunch of different guys, uh, in different aspects, playing FBI agents, HRT agents, you know, uh, throughout the rest of the series. And then we had Max Adams right there with us, uh, Man. essentially from almost Max the beginning. Adams. Uh, I mean, he's in the writer's room and he's a former army ranger and he's bringing this wealth of experience on the writing side of the house screenplays. Uh, I mean, this would be a totally different project without Jared there every day, Max Adams there every day and Raymond Doza there every day. So Raymond Doza war office productions, uh, we're all in the SEAL teams together. And then Max coming from the army side of the house and bringing this, this screenwriting background uh, and having us all work so well together. And of course I had to fly home and work on this next book and, and that sort of thing. But these guys were there every single day. And without those three guys on set every single day, I'm telling you what, this thing would have gone off the rails. It would be a completely different show today. So uh, I'm forever indebted to, to those three guys in particular. Well, appreciate the trust and you letting us go with it, you know, and, and I echo you on that about Max Adams. You know, he was the, the Army Ranger that Jack was talking about in the beginning, day one in the writer's room. And that guy will never know the, the battles that he he fought to 
keep it as authentic as he could, you know. And then, uh, yeah, Ray Mendoza, uh, Kat Samick. I mean, she she fought. She went to the mat all the time. And then I've talked with you a little bit about it. Dave DeGilio. I mean, that guy just I will forever be loyal to that that man. You know, he 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 put his money where his mouth was every single time. You know, you we always talk about Chris and Antoine. You know, but Dave DeGilio. I couldn't, I couldn't respect that man more than I do. Like he, he showed up and he fought every single time, just an amazing leader. He led the show, you know, he was every day in the writer's room, you know, executive producer, and then fought for that authenticity. It would be a different project without him as well. Well, cause I'm, I'm strictly guessing here, but I'm, I'm willing to bet that, that Hollywood may not fully understand the SEAL teams. And so that that a lot of the, I don't know what they are, Hollywood executives and stuff, if they wouldn't necessarily get you all side or point of view on a lot of stuff. So I'm, I'm glad that you had strong advocates there that would, they would go to war for you. Oh yeah. I mean, it would, it would uh, uh, I can't imagine having a different, different showrunner um, on this, on this project because the showrunner for those listening, it's like more like a director and a, um, and a feature film that's kind of running things. But when you have multiple directors uh, you know, you have multiple storylines with different writers writing each one in different episodes and you have to kind of weave all this together. Like you're, the person that's the glue dealing with all of that i mean what a patient individual like that's how it always stands out to me as well. like, holy background so even keeled and just like i mean i took lessons from him like you know sometimes you get yeah you know, something happens and you're like just spin up like son of mm-hmm. you know but him like he'll like take it in and you know you see him process for a sec and you know and then like think through a response and not in an awkward way at all, but in like is this positive way where you're like, how I totally forgot what we were just talking about because now I'm so interested in how you're maintaining this cool, yeah. calm, collected demeanor and like having fun with this. Like he had fun. It seemed like with everything <laughs> that most people would identify as a problem, uh, just his outward demeanor and body language and tone uh, made me step back multiple times and be like, I just totally forgot what we were upset about because. This guy, this kid's one cool cat. And he's got a lot. When you think about everything he's responsible for on those sets, like that's a lot. That's a lot. So so I took that lesson from him. Like, yeah, maybe I should just take a breath every now and again and realize, hey, we have some time. You know, we get some time to work on this problem. Kind of like take a breath, look around, make a call. Well, you know, we don't make necessarily have to make that call right now because no one's shooting at us. Uh, No one's flanking us. Um, They might be in, uh, in some sort of a figurative sense. But you know what? We have some time. And uh, so I, I took that from from Dave. And what a what a great guy. What an incredible human being. Absolutely. I've been really excited to see the the different doors and, and avenues that have opened up for you guys because of this. And, and I'll use, for example, I was watching UFC last weekend and I noticed right there in the middle of the octagon, they had the, the terminal list on there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a huge UFC fan and I, I thought that was really neat. But then also even prior to that, you got to. I'm also a big Sig fan, and I think you are too. But I, you got to go out on the Sig deal with with Valentine. I, I butcher her name every time, and I would never do it to her face because she'd beat me down. But you got to go out with, and have her as a shooting partner. And and as I was watching that, I was like, what a what just a cool turn of events in his life that he he goes from living the SEAL team life to now he's out here to Sig sponsored deal with with the UFC champion out there as a shooting partner and. And I, I just thought it was really cool, and I, and I, I'll be tuning into the, the upcoming UFC, and I, and I'm, I'm excited to see. It's just so cool to me to see all the different worlds 
come together for, for people that I look up to and, and, and admire, I, I'm, I'm very happy for you. Oh man, thank you so much. Yeah. And uh, Jared was invited to that uh, that seal or that uh, Sig Hunter Hunter Games as well. And uh, but he had to work. He had to be on set. Uh, so I got to go. I'll give you there. my number in case you can't reach him. <laughs> I don't shoot as good. I don't run as fast. I'm not as strong, but I'm a little oh. taller than him. So <laughs> that if, helps. If you, well, that's not saying too much. Let's. let's yeah, uh, I mean, I, I know. <laughs> I know. If, if you need a taller person to fill in for him, call me. I'll, I'll, um, I'll handle it a bit. That's all I've got on him as I'm taller. Other than that, I've got, oh, I I've got nothing. I that, man. No uh, way. Voice Gracie was there too, and he went back this time, and I couldn't make it this time um, this year, but he won his team won this time hoist gracie uh wow. who is for such a good guy oh my gosh what an incredibly just a kind human being um and then uh, of course bullet was there as my partner and then uh we had cowboy Cerrone was there as well and we had a we had a blast so uh, who's in our show by the way yeah is that secret i don't know if that's secret yet or not is that, well, is this, that well this will come when when does this come out We'll now air it after July first. <laughs> we will. Uh, we will make sure this airs after July first. Spoiler uh, alert! Yeah. Dang it! This will air July first. Two minutes July after 1st. midnight, this drops. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we will Dang not blow it. the surprise. Yeah. I really want to. I will uh, with the scoop. Yeah. Cowboys are running. No, I. We will not. This will will air after yeah, that. So, um, but I just want everybody to know. I knew before. Yeah. So I, I was in the cool circle of yeah, knowing for that, sure, that, of that Cowboy was in there. And, uh, but no, again, I, I, I think that's really neat that you get like, how cool, you know, and because I, I, I watch a lot of your SIG stuff, too. And I, I just it's really exciting to me that you guys are getting to live lives that I feel you've earned through signing that contract with the SEALs. And like I said, to, to see you getting to do all these things where you're not being shot at and you're not just trying to save your lives and the lives of your men. I, I, I think it's well-earned and, and I'm grateful that you're getting to do it and, and you've earned it. Oh man. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, it's uh gosh, I feel so fortunate each and every day. Um, and you know, that like in buds or whatever else, I always think back to all those people and what they sacrificed so that we, we could do this. So I, so I could be there following that dream on the sand in Coronado, California, doing push-ups and getting sand kicked in my face and told I was never going to make it. And, you know, all the things they say to everybody. Um, but I thought back to the, from the inception of this country up until today, all those people who sacrificed everything so I could be there. Um, particularly, I think back to, to, uh, World War II, probably because I was on a beach. So it made sense to think about those that are uh, storming the beaches of Normandy or Iwo Jima and what they had to go through and, you know, crossing that sand and, and uh, yeah. facing. I really think that was our greatest generation. Yeah. I mean, geez, those guys stepping off the back of the landing craft into the surf and then, uh, you know, running across that beach, machine guns in elevated positions, no cover concealment or anything. Um, and I'd be like, well, guess what? I can do a few more pushups. I can get yelled at a little more here. Um, but in life in general, I think that's a, that's a good thing to think about because it puts things into perspective. Um, and, and then also it makes you maybe want to put a little more thought into some of the, some of the issues of our day, the more contentious issues of the day, and really put some thought and some study into them before making a snap decision or retweeting something from, from somebody who also did not put in the requisite time, energy, and effort uh, towards studying that issue. Because when we think about what was sacrificed for us, uh, that's what we owe those people that uh, didn't make it home or the ones that came home that uh, that never walked again or they were missing arms and legs or dealing with the post-traumatic stress or uh, dealing with the uh, traumatic brain injury. Um, and uh, that's what we also owe those future 
generations, you know, where they, we've been entrusted with those freedoms. And so I think about that every day as well. My responsibility as a citizen to make good decisions for the next generation, because it's not for us, you know, the decisions we make in that voting booth, it's really not for us. It's really for the kids and grandchildren and the future of this country. So, um, so I do think about that a lot as well as I'm, as I'm writing or just going, going through life. So, um, well, that's one thing, you know, I, I've watched several, your, several of your interviews and stuff like that and outside of terminal list. And that's one thing that I, I respect and appreciate you appreciate about you is because, you know, in our hands, we, we, we have good, we, we have the, the power of knowledge in our hands right here on these phones. And, and, and yet so many people choose to be willfully ignorant and, and not seek out the truth on an answer, not educate themselves, but to fire verbal vomit from the hip and and be so passionate in their ignorance and and so convinced that you're wrong. And one of the things I've I've appreciated about watching your your interviews is you don't show up at the table and try to wing it on stuff. You know what you're talking about and you've done the research and and you're 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 speaking intelligently and informed. And 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 to me it's it's such a lesson because Everybody shoots back with an emotional response now, or they're they're. It's not truth that they seek; it's emotion or 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 being affirmation, you know. And and but I, when I listen to you speak, it's based on knowledge. It's based on history. It's based on research. It's it, it's you know what you're talking about. And and I just I wanted to commend you on that. If nobody said anything, it's one of my favorite things about when is the fact that you you you. Do, you walk the walk and you don't just talk the talk. And I, I'm grateful because I wish more people would actually not listen to the 10 second media clips on things or be informed that way or, or get their news off of a meme, you know, which it seems to be where we're at. And I just that's one of the things I really enjoy about watching you do things is, is how much knowledge you bring to the table. And that that's I appreciate that. Man, I, well, thank you. And uh, sometimes on some of those shows, it's tough because you have two minutes two minutes and 30 seconds, maybe tops. And maybe there's another guest in there. And, uh, and sometimes you're staring into a black screen. I don't know why that's the case in 2022, but you're staring into a black screen where you can just hear the host in your ear. So there's no body language. There's no verbal cues about if you should stop talking, if you should continue, are they nodding? Are they shaking their head? Uh, are they giving you a little like, uh, okay, let's wrap this up. You, None of that. So you're just staring into this like black box and it's bizarre. Um, but uh, and you can't go back. So there's the added stress of like, because on this, I can go and say, oh, you know what? When we were talking earlier about X, Y or Z, I think what I meant to say was this. I'm not sure if it came off that way, but this is really what I meant. Does that does that make sense? You do not have that on Tucker Carlson with, you know, six million people watching uh, in your minute and 30 seconds that you have. Uh, what you say is going to be out there. So there's that added stress uh, of that. So when I see people sometimes on there and they're saying things, I, I try to remember what it's like to be in that seat and staring into that black box and you're hearing the host and you have a minute or a minute and 30 seconds and the added stress of that. So it's uh, maybe not the best way to go about discussing some of these issues, but it's uh, it's a way and it's a it's a way that comes into our homes primarily through through television uh still but uh uh it's 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 a little bit uncomfortable 
<laughs> I much prefer something like this where we can go back and kind of discuss things like humans rather than like, okay, boom, I'm going to ask a question that's going to design to keep people uh, focused right here. And then you have your one minute and I might interrupt you a couple of times during that. And it might not be a question that uh, you think you were going to be asked because the previous guest just answered that. And so now you get this curveball and you're in the hot seat and it's live. So it's like, it's, it's, uh, it's a very interesting position to be in. But again, you set yourself up to win there, which I think is, you know, by doing the, you know, we were talking off air earlier and you were talking about how many, you got to read these books and, and kind of how you do your show prep and stuff. And I'm, it's, everybody thinks they could just go out and do a podcast or a, a video or this or that until you turn on the microphones and the cameras and you, and you have to go and it's go time, you know, and, and that's where the rubber hits the road to me and it's the guys that are prepared that have done the work i mean you might stumble out the gate you might do this but you can fall back on your preparation whereas if you're trying to shoot it from the hip you're gonna get in trouble real quick in this industry or 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 podcast or whatever life yeah no i mean like like jared i mean people think it's easy you know i could do that all you do is go up there and say your lines you know it's and it's uh it's interesting to to see it and see how much preparation goes into this and to see Jared doing those classes uh, to prepare for any role and then zeroing in on Boozer's role and then what he brought to that role. It's just not a seal playing a seal. Uh, I think that's like a misconception that uh, that a lot of people could have. Um, you're playing a character and uh, and absolutely crushed. I cannot wait. One of those things I'm most excited about is for people to see you play Boozer uh, and to see you and Chris at that bar. And what they won't know is how much more of that scene there is and how awesome uh, i mean gosh there was so much more in that scene and some other ones as well um but there's so much great stuff that got left on the cutting room floor um just by way of moving the story along you know and it's uh but so so much of that is so great but back to uh what it takes to do the job you can't really you know, talk about it. Like I can talk about it because I'm not an actor in front of the camera, but if an actor talks about how hard it is, like people like immediately, oh, Hollywood, easy. People are bringing <laughs> you your food, you know, you're getting your makeup done and, you know, all that sort of thing. Like you can't talk about how long the days are. You can't talk about how much effort goes in. You can't talk about how much you take a script and you're out there and you're reading it. And the day of, it's not like uh, you imagined it was going to be or the terrain is different or the weather is different or something that another character or another actor brought to their character has changed something for you now in this next episode or scene. Uh, and all that stuff goes into it. Um, you can't talk about how hard that is because people, you know, dismiss it as Hollywood and you're complaining, but it is a lot of work. I mean, I just stood there as an observer and I got to see how much work went into that uh, and how much work goes in, how the makeup people put that, all that work in and how uh, the key grips put that work in and how the mobility people put that work in and how everyone is working so hard in there at the top of their game uh, to include all the actors. Um, and man, Jared, you just crushing this. I cannot wait for people to see this portrayal because I know how much work went into it, and uh, and and it comes across on the screen. It's just it's just awesome. awesome. Well, thank you. That that means a lot, man. Being able to to bring Boozer to life, you know, a character that you wrote is, I mean, how cool is that? You know what I mean? To actually do it and then have the man that wrote it saying that, like, thank you. That's not lost on me. And, and man, I'm, pr- I'm proud and, and humbled and honored to do it. So thank you. I appreciate that. 
Oh, it's my my pleasure, my honor. And uh, and what it's also cool is that you got to be there as a producer, as a technical advisor, and no one will know. Like even I don't think I don't think Chris even knows like how much work you put in that was well above and beyond uh, anything that you were uh, specifically supposed to be there doing. Um, you know. You. Uh, you know, Max and, and, and Ray, uh, same, same thing, but you in particular, like, yeah, like I wish those, everybody could see how much like David knows, you know, how much, uh, you know, Antoine, he wasn't there for, you know, the other, the scenes, the, the, the series or the episodes that he wasn't directing, but he knows like, he's like, he's heard from, from Kat and from me and from other people, but, but, uh, but David was there. And so he saw you know, and I just wish everybody could have could have seen how much uh, how much of yourself you put into this, N not in front of the camera, but behind the camera. And uh, man, yeah, thank it's, you, thank, thank you, you for saving this thing. Thank you for making this what it is today. Uh, I appreciate that, man. It was it was a blessing. You know, like what what an opportunity. You know, so I'm I accept those words. I appreciate them. You know, and I'm just I'm thankful to to have been able to do it. Man, and, and you know what else? You know what else they uh, got left on the cutting room floor? That I, there's a few things, but the two that stand out to me the most, well, the three are the ones we already talked about. Were you in the bar with uh, with Chris, and then Chris driving the Land Cruiser and looking for the right kind of vehicle to steal? Um, because oftentimes in Hollywood, we just see somebody uh, and they get, break a window of a car, they open the door, it happens to be open, and then they lean under under that dash and they do something and then the car starts. Those two lucky wires, the, yeah. the, those two wires that you touch together every time that are just right there that'll start any vehicle. Yeah, and I remember reading that scene the first time. And I was like talking to David DeGilio, the showrunner, about it. And I'd been to a car stealing school. Gosh, now it's been a long time. I don't even say what year it was, pre-September 11th, though. And uh, how we, they talked about the different types of vehicles and which ones to look for, which ones were easier to steal. And that's and how you what would you would need to do that. And, uh, you know, they're all you know a little bit different based on obviously model making year. Um, but uh, for him to drive around, obviously looking. You know, and have Katie's character there, you know, kind of not really knowing what he's looking for. And then he sees that one, boom, backs it up, you know, gets in there, uh, makes sure that he, you know, has the stuff he needs to, and then hot wires it the right way for that particular vehicle. You don't really see that too often in Hollywood. So, you know, that didn't didn't make it because you know you're under time constraints. Um, that was all your notes, right? That was all your writing on that of of writing that in and doing it the right way. Cause I know I didn't I didn't know that one. So wasn't yeah. Me. No, I wanted to put that in there, and then I, and then, uh, but then Ray, when they found the actual car, then he went and figured out how to actually steal that particular one. Um, nice. you know, uh, and then the other one is, man, when the music's going and Chris is going back to um, into the team room, into the cages, and all that sort of a thing, and and oh, the music's yeah. going, boom, 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 and then he opens the door and it shuts, and it's all the cages of the guys that didn't make it, and it's mm. just silence. And it's like, mm. man, that was powerful. Right. It didn't make yeah. it because it was just, it was like a break or it was like a, you know, anyway, it didn't, it didn't make it either. But those are, those are cool, cool scenes. So there's almost like a whole nother 16 hour show that's uh that is a, a director's cut, you know, of all those yeah. things. But, you know, I see why, like I learned so much during this process and see how, you know, working with people who are really at the top of their game as far as this stuff goes, you know, I understand why. It's just unfortunate. And uh, Stephen King calls it killing your babies. Uh, it's like you write something and you, you know, you love it and it's awesome, but it's just 
it's not working and you've spent days weeks on it and you've got to edit it you got to control alt delete that paragraph that chapter yeah. uh maybe a character even um but uh but so i see why but it's at the same time it's like killing your babies because those scenes were yeah. so good uh and they exist out there somewhere but uh yeah. but, you know just like with a novel you need to edit it down to get it to the place where it's the best product that it can possibly be for someone to pick up and then digest and go on that journey and you know same thing but it's visual here but the editing still remains the same in that uh that some of them are painful to to take out but that's just how it goes yeah yep i'm with you where do you go from here what's what's next do we get a season two what are we heading towards we shall see we shall see i think a lot of that's going to depend on uh you know how this this uh this season does and I'm sure in the way that we consume things now, there's a lot of data <laughs> out there for, for Amazon to, to look at and weigh um, because they can tell exactly when we're turning things on and when we're turning things off and when we're switching. And you know that data exists out there uh, just like it does on all the social media platforms and websites and, and everything else. But uh, you know, I, I would hope that if it does well, and if if uh, if Chris wants to do it, and if uh, his schedule allows, though, that uh, they can work that out, and we'll get the they get the get the band back together and uh, and start moving forward on that. But right now, we have a foundation, so uh, we have a little foundation, a little outline that uh, that I put together and sent to the the showrunner just so we can start thinking about it, so we're prepared if they're like, hey, season two. Uh, we're like, okay, not scrambling, but we have something that we can change and morph and edit and build upon. So, um, so we'll see. We'll see. I, I'm, I'm hopeful. And, and in all of Jack's spare time, he's already written out. Yeah, I know. He's probably on season, season four already. Yeah, like, you know? yeah exactly. <laughs> how he wants to do it. You know, and told you the man doesn't sleep. Well, I'll, I'll tell you from, from here, you, you guys will have entire communities supporting you. You know, I, I can tell you that, that, Jared has a whole entire hometown behind him, and and by extension, you know, you do too. We're we're just so wildly supportive of you all, and and again, we're we're very grateful. I know how busy you are, especially now hearing it directly from you. So thank you for for finding the time in your schedule to do this. Thank you for for being a good friend of my brother. I'm very grateful for that because he's so special to me, and he's somebody that I look up to and I admire. And so to see him surrounded by good men. It, it does well for my soul, and so thank you for that. And and you know, it's not lost on me that that you're doing an interview with me because of my brother. And and I'm grateful, and I'm thankful, and I wish you guys the absolute success because I know you're gonna crush it. And I, I can't. I, I'm calling it right now. You guys have a hit on your hands, and I'm happy for you. And this thing's gonna go big. And so well done, my friend. And and thank you, and Jared. Thank you. Yeah, it, it's absolutely. been a real honor to get to be your big brother through this process and get to see how all of this unfolded, get to see you with your friends um, and your mentors and people you look up to. It's inspiring. And so I, again, I thank you both and it, and it means a ton and, and uh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for you the know? support. And, and uh, um, Jack, again, thank you, my friend. Is, is there anything I forgot, anything we need to plug, get out, let them know about? Oh man, no. I mean, I, I look up and admire to, uh, Jared as well, and I. It's certainly not lost on me that I wouldn't be here talking to you about this eight-part series dropping on uh, on Prime Video with the exact person I wanted to star, the exact person I wanted to direct, without the man sitting next to you right there. So that's uh, that'll never be never be lost on me. So um, man, thank you both so much for everything. And uh, Jared, looking forward to seeing you in a few days, and then. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. Getting back together and working on some more uh, some more scripts and moving forward. We need to meet out there at the SIG Ranch one of these days and, and go do some shooting out there. I, I could probably teach you guys a, a thing if or two. Like, I, I was yeah. Air Force, so I can certainly show you guys how to shoot and all that kind of stuff <laughs> if you need it, you know. So please, yeah. you all just let I me know. I probably need it, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's uh, been but, a bit. But no, uh, again, no, uh, we need, we need again thank lessons. you, Paul. We and, need golf uh, lessons. We know who to, uh, who to call. I know how the Air Force is with the, with the golf courses first. Yeah, we, we got you. Our greens are spectacular, <laughs> you know. It's so, but uh, no, thank you for coming on the Going Hot yeah. podcast. Certainly appreciate it. Um, Jared, thank you so much. We, yes, we are pulling for you all and, you. and you guys are going to crush it. And thank you so much. Thank you, big brother. Yep. You guys take care. Thank yep. you, Jack. Appreciate take it, care, man. My friend. Thank, thank you, you. All right. So before I let you out of here, what all have you actually done in, in regarding like Hollywood stuff, movies, whatever? Because Jurassic World, mm -hmm. was, that, was that the first one? Yeah. 2014, right then, when I got out of the military. Right, because I that was one of my whenever I'd go speak at schools or whatever I'd say I I especially the young whose brother has been eaten by a dinosaur in here. You know what's even worse is how many of them raise their hands and said mine. You know, like You're like come on. And no. I'm, like, I'm like, so your brother's been eaten yeah. by a dinosaur? Mm -hmm. yeah. And I'm like, well, okay, well, well never mind. You just yeah. stole my whole punchline. Yeah. But but no, I that's nobody. It's funny because I'll go speak to classes and I'm like, hey, so we can talk about my real estate company if you want to. Or my brother got eaten by a dinosaur. What do you guys want to talk yeah. about? And surprise, surprise, <laughs> they all want to talk about you getting eaten by a dinosaur. And, and awesome. But I, you know, that was pretty cool. We got to go out to mm. Hawaii out there oh, and, yeah. and uh, um, yeah. see you guys work and, and, and all that. And man, we went to Hawaii. That's yeah. hard to beat. But it was that, you know, uh, uh, Jurassic World, then Transformers? Was, yeah, Transformers I last night or Black Knight or... It was like part twenty seven or, or something. Yeah, I forget I which never one. Never actually but saw it. I don't I, I saw the scene with you in it. You look cool. Um, Thank you. Was I, it No, I, I fast forwarded to that part. Um yeah. to because to, I'm just looking for you. I'm, yeah. I'm whatever. But Appreciate no, it was you look like a stud. You look oh, you look cool. You. And so you went from there, then you did some stunt work on Guardians. Guardians. Yep. Yep. And then I had a break in between there where and I won't go down this rabbit hole, but where I basically got afraid of my reputation and coming from the SEAL teams. And I, I saw doors kind of starting to open a little bit and essentially it scared me. You know, it scared me <clears throat> with my reputation coming from the SEAL teams of being judged by other SEALs, mm -hmm. you know, of like, oh, he's Hollywood, this and that. And like we hit on a little bit earlier, we both loved acting growing up. It's mm -hmm. something we did in school, something we did in church plays, all that. It wasn't a fluke. It wasn't, hey, mm -hmm. I just happened to, to fall into this. It's something that I loved to do, something I wanted to pursue. And then ultimately I just got scared. I mm -hmm. got scared and I went with the route I knew, which was was carrying a gun. Mm -hmm. I did personal security. I went back to, to the world that I knew that was safe as far as like, Isn't that funny? The, the, I went back to carrying a gun and security yeah, because as I that say, was safe. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> I, I, yeah, but safe from the the condemnation and ridicule, ridicule from other team guys. You know, and I remember you told me one time, man, you, we were talking about, I think, the American Sniper movie. And I was going to uh, possibly, like, audition for it or something. And then I, you know, I backed out. I'm like, you know, that's... that's uh, I, out of out of fear, out, out of fear of what would be spoken about me, and you were like, man, you were like, these guys may talk smack, these guys may run you run your name down, whatever, but if given the opportunity, every single one of them would take it, every single one of them would do it, and that always stuck with me, and it took years for it to really like hit home 
for me to be like, no, okay, this is what I want to do. This, I'm doing it. I'm, I can't let a job that I used to do keep me from a, a job that I'm supposed to do, mm -hmm. you know? And so, yeah, it took a while, but I always remembered those words, man. And, and so those I, guys don't pay your bills either. You're exactly, you know? yeah, you're exactly right, man. And so it, um, <clears throat> like I said, I had about a three year break, three year break of, I ran from it, you know, ran from it and, you know, went and worked with Chris just as a trainer. I didn't do anything on the second Jurassic. We were working together. He had some, some personal life issues. He ended up living, you know, living on his own. But at that point it wasn't happening. When he came back, we were still working on Jurassic. And he said, Hey man, why don't you move out to LA? Like come, we'll train together, work together. It'll be awesome. You know, I'm like, ah, buddy, LA just not for me. It's not my thing. We go back. He goes back to LA. I go back to Texas, Hurricane Harvey hits and wipes out, wipes out my, uh, my condo, your house. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm like, Oh, so I call him up and I'm like, Hey buddy, like, is that, that room still available? Yeah. So I don't have a house anymore. Yeah. And he just happened to, like I said, have those, uh, personal issues going on where he became a bachelor, mm -hmm. you know? And he's like, come on out, man. So we, you know, for a year and a half, two years, we lived together and that's when, Right around that time is when the book, came. it's just looking back, there's no mistake how it all happened, you know, but really long answer. I apologize. You know, had that gap in between there, came back, worked on a SEAL team, uh, that show on what CBS. Oh yeah. Had. I forgot about SEAL team. Yeah. Actually. Um, oh, what was your character's name? on Benzo. There? Benzo. Yeah. Benzo, yeah. yeah it's Benzo and Boozer. Yeah. yeah. Been your two characters. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. So I did a, a couple little small parts on there and, um, then, uh, I think it was Tomorrow War after that one. Yeah. Went out there just to train with Chris on Tomorrow War, and I had an audition for a role. Chris told me, he's like, audition for it? I'm telling you, you're not going to get it. Like, it's it's pretty much already cast. Just let them see you. Audition for it. So the dude's never been wrong, you know. Went and auditioned for it. <clears throat> no, no joy, you know. Went out. Didn't even think twice about it. Went out with Chris as his trainer, you know, just as we would always do. And one of the main characters wasn't able to do it, that role. He was there, then had to leave. So they bumped up another guy to his role, and then there was an open role. And it ended up, uh, it was supposed to be like a funny type of role, you know, and they decided to go a more tactical route with mm -hmm. it. And Chris was like, I, I got the guy. Like, I'm, oh, and you've already seen him audition, actually. Mm -hmm. Like, so I didn't have to read for it, nothing. Boom, threw me in there. So I went in there just to, you know, simply be a trainer. And I want to say that I also called that one, I believe, because I think you're right. you did. I did yeah. because you told me, hey, I'm going to audition for this, but I'm not going to get it. I said, yeah, you are. Yeah. And you're like, no, they, he already told me it's yeah. cat, all this stuff. And yeah. I was like, you're going to get something. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's coming. You're like, right. I just you're felt it. And, right. and then. You yeah. called and, hey, so I was like, I told you. Yeah. You know? yeah. And what was cool is I got to go out on set of Tomorrow War oh, and go out right. there. And, and mm -hmm. part of the team, you know, Chris it and, and and those guys were all off in like Antarctica or mm -hmm. something, Iceland or something somewhere crazy. Really cold. Yeah. Somewhere, and we were in hot Atlanta, you yeah. know. and But from a big brother perspective, yeah, that trip could not have gone, gone any better because I happened to get there on your film days where yeah. it was you, man. And I yeah. got to stand up. Well, first off, sad to say, I walked up to your stump, man. And uh. I was like, hey, no, that's my brother right there. And I walked up. I was like, 
man, that's oh, not my smart. brother, but God dang it. They do just well like with him. that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it was really kind of creepy how yeah. much you all looked alike. You know, once I got up close, but right. from 20 feet away trying to look across the line, I was like, that's my brother. And I walk up and it was not you. Yeah. But yep. that was such a cool day for me because I got to just... I think you repelled out of a parking garage that yeah. day, and then you had to yeah. run under these big bridges where they were popping smoke everywhere yeah. and, and all that stuff. And That was a cool But, one. you know, it was cool to me because, like you said, I got to see you in dual, like. It reminds me of that 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 Luke Combs song, like that oh, doing it song where yep. they talk about, you know, yep. if you weren't doing Same this, if you way. weren't some big, huge singer, what would you be doing? Yeah. And he's like, I'd be doing this. Yeah. And, and that's, that's what I think is so special because... It doesn't matter if it's terminal list mm-hmm. or if it's a community play or if it's you're doing what you're what you're passionate about, what you've always enjoyed doing, what you're happy about, and it's outstanding that we're 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 freaking about to launch. You know, or we the ter- we, we it's a joint course, thing, but yeah. you know, but You've the terminal list is about to come out. You know, and and you're doing it. You know, yeah. and and it doesn't matter what level because it, it, this is a passion. This isn't chasing Hollywood or chasing fame, any of those things, because I've, I've seen you turn down opportunities and walk away from those things, but you're acting and, and you know, it's, nobody will know the hours and hours and hours and hours spent where, you know, you and I going back and forth on phone calls where you've read a script and, and we're trying to get this script right. And we just, yeah. what about this take? What about, you know, right. nobody knows that. It's like, it's like Jack said, everybody thinks it's, you show up, they, somebody puts on yeah. makeup, it's, it's party and fun and games. And, and, and so you know, all of this is stuff you've earned, and and I'm I'm very proud of you. And you. where where do you go from here? Like, what's you know? I know you've got about 500 <clears throat> different things in the in the in the fire because I you know I try to like rope you in on stuff, and it's like hurting cats, man. You're yeah. you're you're so busy, and, and uh, which is uh, good, you know. Uh, but well, um, thank you. What next, man? That's the million dollar question. You know, it, it's um definitely focused on on a second season for this you know i i i believe without the show having dropped yet i believe the the possibility is there i do Mm -hmm. i I believe this is going to be something a little bit different than people have seen you know and they may not love it but i feel they're going to want to see more of it just to make sure they don't love it you know what i mean like or they're going to love it and they want to make sure they love it You, you know whatever it is i think it's it's going to be enough to pique people's interest and be like, yeah, we, we want a second season. So there's been a big focus on that with Jack Carr, with Dave DeGilio, with Max Adams, Ray Mendoza, Chris, you know, of already talking about that and, and trying to lay that foundation, you know, mm-hmm. but you know, those decisions are obviously made at a level way higher mm-hmm. than mine, but we'll, we'll front load it. We'll put the, the, the preparation and time in for when they say, Hey, we want a second season. Like, sweet. Here, here you, you go. go. Yeah. You done. know, to where the thinking's taking care of the work, the heavy lifting, a lot of it is done. You know, it's, it's almost like calling the bluff like, Oh, do you? Okay, here you go. Let's, let's go. You know? So that's, that's a big one, you know, but then it's, you know, in this industry, it's, it's kind of like fishing with a lure, man. You're, you're, you're just, you're casting, you're always casting. You ain't catching if you're not casting, you know? Mm-hmm. And so if you're, these other projects that, you know, that I want to work with Max Adams and Jack Carr, you know, and Ray Mendoza and, you know, other, other people, it's just putting these things together, you know, and, and you just, one of them, one of them's going to hit. Terminal List was one of those things that it just, for how smooth it went, how quick it went, even though it was 
three and a half, four years, that's still in this world very quick, you know, at least from what I've experienced, you know. So it's, man, it's just having these projects packaged, which is, you know, a script, a breakdown, uh, you know, a pitch and putting them in front of people. Things that I look at that I read, I'm like, oh, that's cool, you know, and then I get with people that are way better at this stuff than I am. Really, it's essentially just kind of team building, you know. I'm not the smartest guy in any part of the the process, but I'm blessed enough to work with the people that are, you know, and then we try to package it and we try to do it again. Almost becomes cookie cutter in a way, but it's it's original to each project and you put that love and time into each one and you see if it responds to other people the way it did with myself or whoever we're working with on it, you know? So once again, a long answer of, you know, just continuing to grind and learning the writing process, you know, that's been a big one, wanting to learn how to write. Cause once again, that's the foundation of everything, man, you know, and then continuing with the acting, staying in acting classes have to, you know, stay on top of it. And the, the producing side, you know, and building those projects and throwing them in there. And, you know, so hopefully it's a season two right out of the gates. Hopefully, you know, best case scenario where we are filming a, a season two by the almost done by this time next year. Right. That's the goal, you know, but who knows, you know, but other than that, auditioning, staying with it, you know, just staying hungry, man, staying grinding how we do. Well, you grind and you're doing great and I thank appreciate you. it. Thank you for for my first podcast, you know. Thanks for yeah. being you. Yeah. And and <clears throat> thanks for helping bring in Jack and, and all that we've done. You know, it, it, this means more than you know. And like I said, nobody nobody's gonna be a bigger fan than me. Maybe your mom. Your mom's uh, your mom's a pretty big fan, but yeah. you know, iron sharpens iron and I'm yes, in sir. your corner and and thank you for all the years of making me better and holding me accountable and and being a good little brother, yeah. you know? And so, um, anything I'm forgetting, anything we need to hit? No, man, I think we got it all, you know, but just know, likewise, thank you for my first podcast, you know, and thank you for starting back 15, 20 years ago, man, from, you, you know, every bit of it up until this point, you know, every, the, the rough times, the turn into the support, you know, and, and the aggressive, vicious support, you know what I mean? Like, Thank you. you I know, am pretty the, relentless. Huh? Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. You know, and you sharpen me the same way, and you keep me accountable. I'll never forget the the rough times in my life when you were like, "Hey, I understand. You've been through some stuff. You've done this, but I expect more out of you. Mm -hmm. I expect more. That's not no. We're we're not going to do that. Mm -hmm. And you held me accountable. You know, and I don't live in that world anymore. Thankfully, that's not lost on me. You know, and the continued support all the way up sniper school, all that stuff, all the way up until this point to be able to talk about this stuff, to be able to sit here and do that in this studio, you know, that y'all built together and done all this and not lost on me. So thank you for taking the time and having me on as your first, you know, your first person on in a podcast. Like what an honor, what a blessing, man. So, well, and, and thank you. you're welcome. And, and it is the first, and I really believe in my heart of hearts, you're just getting started. And so I, you know, Let's let's have you have a few more cool adventures, and then we'll loop back, back around, and we'll do this again. And, yeah, um, I'd love that. You need to find room for me to go to these UFC things. Like <laughs> I tried to call Dana, he didn't take my call. Yeah, um, weird. I, I know I'm working on that. I don't know if that number is right. It's just not going through. It's got to be right. It's 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 him. It's not you. Like, yeah, it's, he, um, he's gonna call me back at some yeah, point. No, but until he then, probably did. Uh, yeah, I, I had my phone on silent. Yeah. But no, thanks, man. And and again, crush it. Yes, sir. crush it. Don't just win. Dominate. Dominate. Yes, sir. We'll see you at the next one, man. Thank you. Yes, sir. Going hot.